There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into the podcast. This is our Friday edition of the podcast. This is the end of the work week, the last podcast of the week. We thank the Lord for the freedom we've had to do the podcast. Thank the Lord for the freedom He's given us. And thankfully, we have listeners, folks that do tune in, folks that contact us. We're in the book of Job. We'll be in Job 6 today, beginning uh, the words of Job as he responds to the accusation made against him. And one of the interesting things that we'll see in this chapter is Job begins to defend himself. Uh, you find a little bit of a chink in the armor of Job in the sense that he loses some of that meekness. Meekness does not defend itself. Meekness does, demands that we no longer uh, have to defend our honor. And one of the great freedoms in the Constitution, yes, the freedom to assemble is a marvelous thing. We thank God we have that freedom to assemble. But one of those things is that, that freedom that you have to not speak. You do not have to speak. You don't have to speak in incrimination. You no longer have, do not have to testify against yourself. You cannot incriminate yourself. And one of the freedoms you have is you can just keep your mouth shut. And an innocent man, the best thing he can do is just keep his mouth shut. The burden of proof lays on the Constitution of the United States, the government of the United States. They have to prove that man is guilty. And yet so many people in church can't figure that out. They can't figure out. Just keep your mouth shut. If the accusation is true, then you need to correct something. If the accusation is false, it's water off the duck's back. Why would you care what people think? And yet so many people defend themselves, defend them honor. And part of that, even in ministry, as a man of God, as a preacher of the gospel, I've seen men have just absolutely fallen apart when accusation is made. It doesn't mean that they're guilty. It just means that meekness has failed them. The fruit of the Spirit includes meekness, and part of that fruit demands that we do not defend ourselves. And if you're right with God, you don't have to defend yourself. The Word of God will defend you. And so Job loses a little bit of that in Job chapter 6. And we see in verse 1, but Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief were thoroughly weighed, and is outward thoroughly again. And it's one of those great King James Bible words. It means from within to without. Thoroughly is complete, or thoroughly is absolutely, uh, completely thorough in the sense of like you thoroughly search a room. You look at every corner, every place. Thoroughly means it comes through. It's from within and it comes without. He said there was thoroughly weighed and my calamity laid in the balances together. And so he is asking that his own life be looked at this and his life be balanced because he knows he's a perfect man. The word of God says he's a perfect, upright man. He's offered sacrifice to God, and he believes that God has not failed him. He told his woman that she was a foolish woman for speaking those things, and yet his friend has come and made the accusation. In verse 3, he says, For now it would be heavier than the sand of the sea, he said, therefore, my words are swallowed up. 
That's his grief. He speaks of heavier than the sand of the sea. Now, part of this, we began to see the formula here that we're going to look at throughout the rest of the book of Job. Uh, But we see there's a link and you cannot ignore the link. You cannot ignore the words. But there's a link here, of course, in prophecy to Jesus Christ, that man of sorrows acquainted with grief. His grief was heavy. His grief was heavy upon him. His grief was truly weighed because he was the son of God. And so Job begins to speak these things. And then it says in verse 4, For the arrows of the Almighty are within me, the poison whereof drinketh up my spirit, the terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. One of the things we've looked at in other podcasts, and Job 16 is one of those great prophecies of the book of Job. And he says in verse 12, I was at ease. He hath broken me asunder. He hath also taken me by my neck and shaken me to pieces and set me up for his mark. Now, I probably did not say this, but we're in chapter 16 of Job and verse 12. Now in verse 13, his archers compass me round about. He cleaveth my reins asunder and doth not spare. He poureth out my gall upon the ground. So we know that the Lord has archers. We know the Lord has arrows. We know that the Lord shoots upon men. He tells us that in the word of God. And so the Lord has set up his archers against Job. We see that in in chapter 16, knowing absolutely that he's speaking there on behalf of Jesus Christ. He is a great prophet of God there. So in verse 4, for the arrows of the Almighty are within me. God has shot at him. God has directed those arrows at him. The poison whereof drinketh up my spirit. But then here's one of those incredible words we've looked at in Messianic Psalms. The terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. Now, again, one of the things we'll look at in that is simply in Job 31 and 23, for the destruction from God was a terror to me. And by reason of his highness, I could not endure a companion to what we just spake. Psalm 91 and verse 5 says, Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor the arrow that flieth by day. So again, they're tied in together. We see that in this passage. The arrow, the arrows of the Lord, and the arrows of his archers, by the way, compass Job about in Job 16. And when he realizes he's prophesying, he's speaking of Jesus Christ. And then again, he says, the terrors of God do set themselves in array against me. Why? Because he's being judged of God. And what again, what we realize here is Job is not being judged by God. At first glance, as a typical 25 years of walking with the Lord and living for Jesus Christ and believing the word of God for 25 plus years, I would say I would look at this and just simply say, well, Job is running a comparison here. Job is is thinking that God's against him and, you know, began to dawn on me even recently. Job just doesn't think that God is against him. Job is speaking for someone else. He is that prophet of God. He's a man of God. For it goes on then, it says in verse 5, For doth the wild ass bray when he hath grass, or loweth the ox over his fodder? So again, is Job complaining of himself? Has the Lord set himself in array against Job? No, he has not. But he did set himself in array against Jesus Christ. His archers shot upon Jesus Christ. They compassed him round about. The arrows of the Almighty, the terrors of Calvary, the terrors of the cross, of the cover of darkness. So again, we see these little things all through the book of Job. We'll continue to look at these because I do believe they are prophetic. And if someone gets out of sorts with me on that, I'm not going to get hurt by that or offended by that. I just believe what we see. I believe what we're looking at here is Job prophesied. And then he says, can that which is unsavory be eaten without salt? Well, the answer is no, because salt is good. The word of God told us that unsavory things are not pleasurable without salt 
or is there any taste in the white of an egg? The things that my soul refused to touch are as my sorrowful meat. Uh, once again, the sorrow of night, the darkness of night, the weeping, the cry, the couch with tears, that weeping that endures through the night. Job is a picture of those things, absolutely. But God has not done this to Job. Satan has lifted up his hand against Job. God has removed the hedge from Job, yet the Holy Ghost bears witness of these things. Job is speaking the word of God. He is speaking by the Holy Ghost, and that must be taken into account. This isn't just some man out there flippantly talking, and God decided to record these words and give them to us. That's how most people treat these books. That's how they treat Job. That's how they treat Ruth. That's how they treat Esther. Oh, it's a great story. Some man just wrote down a story about this little girl named Esther. And what a wonderful story it was. No, the word of God said the holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so again, in the book of Job, is this just a great story about a man that went through great troubles? No, Job is speaking by the Holy Ghost. He is speaking because God has given him the words to see. How, how important are the words of Job here? They're as important as any other portion of Scripture. They're as important as Matthew 27. They're just as important as Isaiah 53. Every one of these Scriptures is vitally important to doctrine, vitally important to understand the Word of God, because it was given to Job by the Holy Ghost. He's speaking that which is right. He is speaking in truth. He goes on and says, oh, that I might have, have my request and that God would grant me the thing that I long for, even that it would please God to destroy me, that he would let loose his hand and cut me off. People say, well, is Job longing for death here? I don't believe Job's longing for death. I don't believe Job saw this was the hand of God upon him. I believe Job knew this was his plight, his calamity was Satan. But what Job, again, is doing, as we've talked about so many times on this podcast, and it's imperative we understand this, to understand doctrine, understand the Word of God, but it's in 1 Peter 1 and 11, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which was in them, did signify when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So what each of us need to understand, and each of us need to come to grips with, is Job speaking out of his calamity? Or is Job speaking of the sufferings which are to come and the glory that is to follow in Jesus Christ? Is he speaking by the Spirit of Christ? Well, let's just give me the benefit of the doubt. Would you do that on this? Could you just help me out with this? Even though it would please God to destroy me. Why? He's under the hand of God on Calvary. He's under the judgment of God, the wrath of God. Under the cover of darkness, God has poured out his wrath. He has cleaved his soul asunder. God has come down and shaken him to pieces. The Word of God tells us that. That he would let loose his hand, where from? Off of his neck. He told us that in Job 16. And cut me off. Why? So he's asking the Lord to die. Father, in thy hands I commend my spirit. Jesus Christ bowed his head and he gave up the ghost. Why? Because he'd been under the wrath of God. He'd been judged by God. He was judged a sinner. He was judged for the sins of the whole world. That I, yet I should have comfort. Yea, I would harden myself in sorrow, let him not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. So there's a little clue that's thrown right in the midst of all that. And this is one of those verses that staggered me. And I'm not going to be funny about that. It's absolutely staggered me when I see this. He's not concealed the words of the Holy One. He tells you why he's speaking. He tells you who he's speaking of. He tells you that he's speaking on behalf of the Holy One of God. And all through the scriptures, we know the Holy One is Jesus Christ. That Holy One of God was the body of Jesus Christ. 
And he says that I should get the comfort. Yea, I would harden myself in sorrow. Let him not spare, for I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. He's speaking about the Spirit of Christ. Men would say, well, I, I don't believe that. I don't see that. I don't know if that's in there. Well, you don't have to see that, but you ought to see that. You ought to be looking for that. The Word of God told us that. In the volume of the book, it is written of me. Another place that I believe, therefore have I spoken. And so again, this volume of this book is Jesus Christ. And I've come to grips with the understanding of this, that I need to find him in the volume of this book. It's not just a casual glance. This isn't just casual reading. A dear friend of mine down in North Carolina, he made a statement. He's been on this podcast many, many times. And uh, what he said, he said, he said, it's not that doctrine produces living. It's that doctrine determines the type of living. And what another preacher friend of mine says, he says, bad doctrine produces bad living. Good doctrine produces good living. And so you can go through and you can preach standards and convictions and all of those things. That doesn't bother me. That's fine. Thank God for that. Everybody's differ. They don't enforce yours upon me. Take the word of God and examine these things. But what I found out is the right doctrine will produce holy living. If you want your standards to get better, believe the word of God. If you want your life to be cleaner, believe the word of God. And take the volume of this book and believe what God said, and it will change your life. You'll see the holiness of God. A dear preacher was there at the church this week preaching, and he talked about that bucket of water. He said, you got that bucket of leaves and twigs and mud. And it's on the front porch, and after a couple of weeks of rain and it settles a while, you'll look at its beautiful, clean water. He said, but nobody's going to drink that water. And what do you do? All you got to do is put a stick in, stir it up a little bit. Here come the leaves. Here comes the mud. Here comes the debris. Everybody says, oh, that water's filthy. But it was so clean looking. It was so wonderful looking. And he said, that's just like the human heart. People look at their heart and say, hey, it's been a couple of weeks. We've had some rain. Look at it. It's clean. It's wonderful. Nobody's going to drink from it. Nobody wants what it has. But they say, oh, look how clean my heart is. But preaching will stir it up. Preaching will get in there. Doctrine will get in there and stir up the muck and stir up the leaves. And you realize how wretchedly filthy you are. And you stand in light of these scriptures. And when you see that they're Jesus Christ, you'll see how wretched you are. And you'll see how vile you are. When you see Jesus Christ, you'll see yourself in light of him. And you realize how unholy you are. There might be a chance that somebody will come to repentance because they see Jesus Christ. And these Old Testament scriptures, the law of God, the prophets of God, he waits, I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. What is my strength that I should hope? And what is mine end that I should prolong my life? Is my strength the strength of stones? Or is my flesh of brass? We're all heading to the grave. It's what he's saying. We're all going to die. None of us have that kind of strength. Is not my help in me and his wisdom driven quite from me? To him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend, but he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. So again, as we saw in David, we see in Isaiah, we see in Jeremiah, Job, I believe, comes out of this then. He speaks of his own calamity, speaks of his own strength, speaks of his own end, speaks of his own flesh being brass. He says, it's not my help in me and wisdom drive quiet from me. To him that is afflicted, pity should be showed from his friend. Eliphaz, you've let your friend down, but he forsaketh the fear of the Almighty. Pray for us as we look at Job. Pray for this weekend. I pray you have a great weekend in the house of God. Pray that God will bless your weekend. Those of you that preach, I pray you preach the power of God. 
Those of you that sit in the house of God, I pray that God will help you and God will strengthen you. Pray for us as we look at the book of Job. We'll begin again on Monday in the spot where we left off, verse 15 of Job chapter 6. Pray that God will enlighten us. God will open our eyes to see, our ears to hear what God has to say to us. Have a great weekend in the Lord. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption for all of There only was tried. Now the angels of God are rejoicing. For the prodigal child has come home. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glory. Song of the Redeemer.